Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the words that I speak, the thoughts in our minds, to help us understand how this story in the Bible relates to us and help us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome those of you in the narthex. Good to have you with us. The first time I was ever on skis, I was in college, and I went with some friends who told me that they would teach me how to ski. Uh Uh-huh. So they shuffled me onto the chairlift. At this point, I didn't, I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to stop, nothing. And the lift just kept going higher and higher. And I thought, seems kind of high for a beginner's run. But I didn't want to feel afraid, look, look, look afraid. So I just kind of, you know, faked it. Turned out it was a double black diamond run. And at the top, my friends looked at me and said, see at the lodge. And off they went, leaving me alone at a double black diamond run, having never skied a day in my life. But I did manage to get down about an hour later through a maneuver I invented called the ski drop and roll method. (laughs) It involves two feet of cautious skiing followed by hundreds of yards of rolling. It was very effective. What puts you outside your comfort zone and makes you cautious? Because no matter how courageous a person we think we are, we all have someplace, something that puts us out of our comfort zones. I mean, maybe you are the kind of person who takes huge risks. You, you love skydiving and extreme skiing and in your professional life, you take all kinds of risks without even blinking, but you've got some kind of fear somewhere. I remember asking a group of Stanford students what their biggest fear was. What do you think they said? Failure. We all got something. Maybe it's a relational fear of getting too close to people or being honest about what's really going on inside of you. Maybe your fear factor is in your faith. The idea of saying to someone, hey, I'll pray for you, just sounds really uncomfortable. Maybe you have fears around money, having enough of it, you just worry about it. Studies show that one of Americans' top fears, even greater than death, is public speaking, which I find fascinating. (laughs) Some of you would rather die than give a sermon. And others, I'm sure, would rather die than hear one. (laughs) We all have fear somewhere. And we live in a culture that fuels fear, don't we? I mean, I saw a newspaper headline this week that said, Crisis in the economy. And the story was about how the economy has grown in the last quarter, 0.6%. Now, admittedly, pretty slow growth, but I don't think we're to crisis yet. I saw a cartoon recently of people on a plane and the captain comes over the loudspeaker and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing some mild turbulence. And a man in the back yells, we're all going to die. And someone up front says, hmm, he must be an economist. (laughs) We live in a cautious, seatbelt, buckling, safety, harness, strapping, bike helmet wearing culture. Not that those things are bad, but as metaphors, I think they point out how fearful, how cautious we can be. So what's your fear? What puts you outside of your comfort zone? Because we all have places in our lives where we get as timid as a church mouse. And what about that phrase? What's up with that? Right? Like, how did, how did Christianity get associated with timidity? This, this bold counterculture, upside down revolution that Jesus launched, this rescue operation to this planet that spurred people to do things like Crazy, risky things like care for plague victims, even at the risk of getting the plague themselves and dying. 
How did this bold, gutsy revolution get associated with timidity and caution and being nice? Something akin to a Victorian tea party for your Aunt Tilly rather than a war, which is what it is as we do battle with the devil. And you can see it in how we've tamed Jesus' message down over the years. You know, we've kind of reduced Jesus down to the get-out-of-hell-free card. Fire insurance. You know, a little bit of Jesus so you don't burn. That is a fear-based theology. Jesus is not the get-out-of-hell-free card. Jesus is the live life to the fullest Lord. Yes, he came to give us life after death, but more importantly, he came to give us life after birth. Jesus came to give it, make us bold, not cautious. And you see this in the story that we read today. Jesus tells his disciples to get in the boat at the beginning of the story, which they do. They obey him. And then what happens? They encounter a storm. Well, that's a fine how-do-do. I mean, there they are just doing what Jesus told them to do. And what do they, they, they encounter a storm while Jesus sleeps in the back of the boat. You see, following Jesus does not mean that we will have a problem-free life, which is sometimes what I think we expect. You know, we think, gosh, if I follow Jesus, and, but then if I face problems, maybe God isn't there, or maybe God doesn't love me because I've got these problems in my life. I mean, I do this a lot. You know, I am an American baby boomer, and I feel like the Constitution, the Bible, and the Founding Fathers all have personally guaranteed me a comfortable life. And if I don't get it, so, that offends my sense of entitlement. And I start to whine that something must have gone terribly wrong in the cosmos because Scott Dudley isn't quite perfectly happy just yet. And I love what the disciples say to Jesus in this, in this storm. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? You ever ask that question? Or make that accusation to God? Just this week I faced some challenges here at work and, and that was pretty much my prayer. I mean, why aren't you helping? Where are you? Why aren't you helping? I mean, I've given you a whole day to fix this and where are you? But following Jesus does not guarantee a storm-free life. We will face storms. And some of those are just a normal part of life. There's just storms in life. But also, if we are really partnering with Jesus in this rescue operation to planet Earth, if we are really partnering with Him and making all things new and serving others in His name, well, then there's going to be some, some, maybe some ridicule, some hardships. We're going to face some storms. There's a cost to following Jesus. But there's also some great benefits. Because it's in the storm that Jesus becomes more real to us. It's in the storm that we experience him. After Jesus has calmed the storm, the disciples say, Who is this man that even the weather obeys him? You see, it's in the storm that we experience his power. It's in the storm that we know he's God. It's in the storm that he becomes real to us, not when the boat is safely in the harbor. The disciples see Jesus' power in the storm. You know, as a pastor, I've seen this hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. People who are battling cancer or, or they lose a, a child or a spouse. I mean, terrible tragedies. But I am convinced by watching all of those over the years that when things get tough, Jesus amps up his presence. He gives us extra measure of his presence, extra measure of his power. I just say a spiritual law. The louder the storm rages, the louder Jesus talks to us. I've seen it happen hundreds of times. And that's why people will say in the middle of something awful, they'll say, I, yeah, you know what, but God has never been closer. Not that it's not hard, not that they don't have questions, but Jesus becomes more real to us in the storm. Are you in a storm right now? Well, then turn to him in prayer. Get some other Christians around you to encourage you and pray for you. And wait to see how he will calm the storm, because he will. 
But more than that, more than that, Jesus doesn't just give us power to cope with the storms. More than that, the main point I want to make today is Jesus makes us bold to step out of our comfort zones, even in the middle of the storm, and have an adventure with him and live life to the fullest. You see, Jesus did not come to make us comfortable. He came to give us an adventure. Because you know what? Comfort is not all that it's cracked up to be. At UC Berkeley, they did a study on amoebas, and they created the perfect environment for amoebas, whatever that would be. Perfect temperature, perfect humidity, perfect food. You know what happened? They died. The comfortable amoebas died way sooner than the amoebas that had some stress in their lives. You see, too much comfort will kill you. It'll kill you. It'll kill you spiritually. It'll kill you emotionally. It'll kill you in every way there is to kill you. A few weeks ago, I read a newspaper story about two neighbors who were suing each other because one of the neighbors had planted a bush on his property in a place the other neighbor didn't like. said it ruined the aesthetics. Oh, please. Get a life. Come on. This week, someone sent me another story about a man who is suing a dry cleaner because they lost his pants. Guess the amount. $67 million. Those are some pants. Those are amazing pants, right? Oh, and guess what the guy's profession is? He's a judge. And that make you feel good, right? But I think there should be a fine for that, don't you? Maybe a little time in jail wouldn't hurt either. As I say over and over again, when your world is small, everything in it seems big. And pretty soon you're worrying about bushes in the wrong place and all kinds of stuff. That is comfort hell. Jesus came to rescue us from comfort hell by calling us to an adventure. There's another story in the Bible very similar to this one. The disciples are again in a boat in a storm. This time Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And you remember the story. Jesus says to Peter, get out of the boat. And Peter gets out of the boat, walks on water a couple of steps, and then he gets scared and he sinks and Jesus picks him up. And what I like about that story is it shows us that, that Jesus' main purpose is not just to bring peace in the storms of life, though he does that. But bigger than that, more importantly, he comes to call us out of our comfort zones, even in the middle of the storm. To expand our world, because our comfort zones are very constraining. So he calls us out to expand our world, give us an adventure so that we don't end up dead amoebas. He came to give us life after birth. And this is what I think folks are dying for, at least I am. You know, I am not the world's boldest man, but I want to be bolder. You know, Lord, give me a vision for life that is bigger than just being comfortable. Jesus, scare me a little. I want to be scared. I heard someone once say that following Jesus is like surfing a really big wave, screaming like a little kid. It's scary, but it's exhilarating. It's exciting at the same time. Jesus calls us to an adventure with him. Calls us to be his partners in making all things new. Calls us to be his partners in this rescue operation to planet Earth. In our homes, in our offices, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, right where he's put us. Calls us to be his warriors to bring the kingdom of God here. So that we can escape our tiny little comfort zones that confine us and strangle us and constrain us. So that our lives get bigger, richer, deeper, better. And the reason we can step into those adventures boldly without any fear, is because he is a great big God who can handle the storms in our life. In this story, Jesus asked his disciples, why were you afraid? And you can kind of hear the disciples going, oh, I don't know, maybe the raging storm, the violent pitching of the boat, the threat of sinking and death. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? The disciples had good reason 
to fear. And Jesus understands that. But by asking the question, Jesus is reminding them that they aren't just in any old boat. They aren't just in someone's boat. They are in Jesus' boat. And when you are in Jesus' boat, you don't have anything to fear. You see, I'm not talking about taking risks for risk's sake, you know, bungee jumping or something like that just for an adrenaline rush. I'm not talking about going and having adventures of our own making. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus, if we connect with him in prayer, will personally call each one of us to a personal adventure with him in being his partners in making all things new right where he's placed us in our homes, offices, neighborhoods, schools. And if we are in his boat, if we are in Jesus' boat, not on some adventure of our own, but if we are in Jesus' boat, we have nothing to fear because he is a big God. And not even death can stop us because we're going to live forever if we're in Jesus' boat. And it's in that security that we can be bold and have adventures and step out of our comfort zones. In ice skating for years, people would not attempt a triple axel in competition because it was just too hard to do and they were afraid they'd mess it up. Until, until about, until 1978, there's a guy named Vern Taylor, and he was so far ahead in this one competition. I mean, he could have done snow angels and still won the thing. So he said, well, what do I have to lose? So he, he did it, landed it perfectly. It was out of the security of knowing that he was going to be okay, even if he fell on his backside, that he had confidence to try something that seemed impossible. And it's in the security of knowing that even if the storm rages, even if we fall on our backsides, even if the worst happens, Jesus is going to be there. He will give us an extra measure of his presence and his power to ride out the waves, and he'll bring good out of the storm. You see, if we follow a shrunken Jesus, you know, the get-out-of-hell-free card Jesus, if we follow a shrunken Jesus, we will live shrunken lives. But if we follow the great big Jesus of Scripture then, and, and ask him to give us an adventure and respond to the nudges he gives us and do what he says to do in the Bible, then life gets bigger, richer, deeper, better. One of our elders told me a story this week about a time that Jesus expanded her comfort zone. Years ago, she was listening to a professor from a college talk about leading a group of people on a trip to the Soviet Union, back when it was the Soviet Union, to go and support some local Christians there and to smuggle in Bibles, which were illegal at the time. While he spoke, this woman got a picture in her mind of herself standing in front of a Van Gogh painting in the Hermitage Museum in the Soviet Union. But she'd never been there before, so she kind of thought that maybe this was a nudge from God. So she ramped up her courage, and she went on this trip. And she had this great adventure. Coming alongside Christians in the Soviet Union, praying for them, encouraging them, you know, giving them some confidence, smuggling Bibles in, partnering with Jesus and making all things new. This woman from Bellevue. She lived in Bellevue. She smuggled Bibles. That's cool. And at one point she thought to herself, well, isn't this interesting? I'm fat, 40, and dodging the KGB. <laughs> I thought that'd be a great title for this sermon. Fat, 40, dodging the KGB. Well, at the end of the trip, they went to the Hermitage Museum, and as she was wandering around, she found herself in a room, alone, looking at a Van Gogh painting, which was unlikely because the Soviets didn't like the Impressionists, so they put it off in this room that was hard to find and nobody went to. When she got back, a friend of hers said, man, I would never have had the nerve to do what you did. And this woman's first thought was, well, why not? Because, you see, God had expanded her comfort zone. She wasn't in some tiny little constrained little comfort zone anymore. She felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit. She obeyed, and Jesus expanded her world, and life got big. 
Now, you don't have to, you can do, it doesn't have to be that kind of dramatic. You don't have to go smuggle Bibles into, into some country. It can, it can be closer to home. Another woman from our church was out to lunch with some friends a while back, and in casual conversation, the waitress mentioned that she was going to get married soon, and so this, this woman felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit, so she said, well, I'm going to pray that you have a great wedding. Well, a few minutes later, the waitress came back and said, you know, I, I just told some of my coworkers about your offer, and they'd like to know, would you pray for them too? So the woman said, sure. So the waitress came back with this list of prayer requests from the cook, the busboys, the waiters. I mean, everyone wanted prayer. A little while later, the waitress came back and asked, hey, are you guys from a church or something? You know, and the, the woman said, yeah, we go to First Press. And the waitress said, oh, yeah, okay, I think I've heard of that. Now, in terms of taking a risk, that's not exactly bungee jumping with dental floss, right? But for a lot of us, the idea of saying to a stranger, hey, I'll pray for you, Sounds pretty uncomfortable. But this woman did it, and look what happened. A whole restaurant staff felt cared for, and she got to be a part of helping a waitress have a really cool day. So let me give you a spiritual training exercise this week. Every day this week, pray this prayer. Jesus, give me an opportunity to step outside my comfort zone for you. Jesus, give me an opportunity to step outside my comfort zone for you. I dare you to pray that prayer. I double-dog dare you. Because you know he's going to answer it, right? And then what do you have to do? You have to do it. And that could be as simple as offering to pray for a coworker in need. Maybe it's as simple as signing up for the EA golf tournament to help some kids who need it. Maybe it's signing up for a four-hour shift this summer to help some folks in the schools and some folks in homes that can no longer care for them. Maybe it's going on a short-term mission trip. Maybe it's confessing a fear or a bad habit to a trusted Christian friend. Maybe it's to set aside some fears of failure and need to achieve and simply be home more this week, even if it doesn't dazzle the boss. A while back, my son was jumping off some kind of high playground equipment. I found myself saying, oh, be careful, be careful. And I thought, Dudley, cut that out. So I started saying, come on, Jackson, you can do it higher, harder, faster, jump, come on, go. Too often, I think what our culture says to us is, be careful. Be afraid. But is that what Jesus says to us? Is Jesus watching us saying, ooh, be careful? (laughs) Kind of hard to imagine, right? Or is he saying, if you lose your life, you'll find it. So come on, live a little. Step out of the boat, have an adventure, be my partner in redeeming the world. There's a poem called The Tay Bridge Disaster about a bridge that collapses when a train goes over it. And it usually wins in contests for the worst poem ever written. It's truly awful. I'm going to spare you all of it, but I'm going to just read the last stanza for you. This is the moral that he draws from this bridge collapse, his philosophy of life. I must now conclude my lay by telling the world without dismay that the central girders would not have given way, at least many sensible men do say, had they been supported on each side with buttresses, at least many sensible men confesses. For the stronger we our houses build, the less chance we have of getting killed. Is that a stupid way to end a poem or what? (laughs) And as a philosophy of life, I mean, is that a philosophy of life? Let's just not get killed? I just want to be safe. Ooh, I hope nothing goes wrong. I mean, is that what you want on your tombstone? He played it safe? And look where it got him? (laughs) How about this week praying instead, Lord, call me out of my comfort zone. Lord Jesus, make me that man. Make me that woman that when I come to die, I know I've lived. 
Lord, give me a life of following you that's like riding an awesome wave, screaming like a little kid. Jesus, make us bold. We cannot do it without the power of your spirit, so Jesus, make us bold. Show us how we can step out and have an adventure by being your partners in your rescue operation to planet Earth. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.